All right, the book of John, chapter 1. <clears throat> the book of John, chapter 1. Last Lord's Day in our <clears throat> Christmas series, we took a look at the Word as the Word existed <clears throat> prior to the creation of the world. Today we're going to look at the word creating, and then if the Lord be pleased, next Lord's Day on Christmas morning, we will look at the word in its incarnation. So that's where we're going with this. I want to read again the first five verses of John chapter 1. These verses are almost holy ground. To even think that God would share such knowledge with us is precious beyond all mercy. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him. And apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not comprehend it. We noted that these 18 verses really just lay the foundation and the framework of the book of John. It is these things about the Word that he is going to define and show in the person of Christ Jesus our Lord. And the purpose for that, when we get to the end of this book, John writes twice that he has written these things so that you might believe. Believe what? That Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And in believing that, you might have life through His name. That is the sole purpose of this book that John is writing. It deals with the person of God Himself. And what we saw, I just mentioned it briefly, is that where John delivers is in this direction, that the Word is, and that Word is not only Word, it is Creator. That's what we're looking at here this morning. And that Word is life, and it is light, and that Word became flesh, and that Word is Christ, is Lord, and has a name, Jesus, and is the Son of God. That's where John is taking us. And if you just briefly look at these things, you've got in verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is the same as the times in which Jesus declared, before Abraham was, I am. He's telling us something about Himself. He will declare that in John chapter 8 and verse 24 when He says, Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins. For unless you believe, now our translation has, that I am He. And you'll notice that the word He is italics. The Greek text reads literally, for unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. In other words, folks, there's an aspect of our believing, not merely that He's the Savior, not merely that He died on the cross, not merely that we call Him Lord and should be submitting to Him, but He is beyond even all those things. He is the I Am. Who is the I Am? Well, in John 1.1, it is the Word. Unless you believe that I Am. And of course, to the Jew, that would directly take him back to the burning bush, wouldn't it? 
When, God, when Moses says to God, well, I need to know who you are so that when I go back to them, I can tell them your name. He's, and God says, I am. Tell them, I am has sent you. Who was that in the burning bush? Well, it was deity. It was word in that bush. It was the sun in that bush. The eternal sun declaring, I am. He will go on and say the same thing if you go down in verse 28 of this same chapter, John chapter 8. Jesus said, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am. And I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak those things as the Father has taught me. He will tell them again in John chapter 8 and verse 58, when they asked him, you're not even 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Isn't that amazing that a human would say that? And they understood that when he declared that before Abraham was, I am, they knew he was declaring to them that the man that you're looking at before your physical eyes, I am God. I am the eternal Son, the Word made flesh. Now folks, if you and I said that, we would declare you insane. And that's exactly what the Jews did. And they took up stones to stone him. In John chapter 13, he's going to tell the disciples the exact same thing. In verse 19, from now on, I'm telling you before it comes to pass, so that when it does occur, you may believe that I am. He's telling them things that are going to happen in the future Because, folks, the only one who can do that is God. Jesus is saying, I am God in human flesh. I'm telling you that my name is I am, and I'm going to tell you things that are going to come to pass so that when you think on them, you will believe that I am the Word made flesh. John chapter 18 and verse 5 He goes and he proceeds to say the same thing. They answered him, Judas is on the way. They answered him, who do you want? Who are you seeking? They said, Jesus the Nazarene. And he said to them, I am. And when he said that, Judas was there. And when he said, I am, what did those soldiers do? they drew back and fell to the ground. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? Jesus is declaring to them that I am that Word that existed prior to the creation. He's going to declare that He is the Creator in John chapter 1, verse 3. All things came into being through Him. And apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. He's going to declare it again in verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made through Him, and the world did not know Him. He's going to tell those Jews later on in this book, I am from above. You are from beneath. You're going to seek Me, but you're not going to be able to find Me. And if you don't believe that I am, you'll die in your sins because you are of this earth. I am from heaven. I am from above. I am the Creator. He's going to declare over and over and over again, verse 4 of John 1, in Him was life. He is life. Are you listening to what He's saying? He is not saying that He gives life, though He does. He is saying that He is what? He is life. He is life itself. And so probably the most famous passage here in this book that shows that is when He raised Lazarus from the dead. In John chapter 11 
and verse 25, Martha says to him, I know Lazarus is going to rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the what? I am the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Martha, do you believe that? She didn't really understand everything he was saying. But she did say the right thing. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God that was to come into the world. And folks, because He is the life, He can give what? He can give life. And in John 11 and verse 40, when He says to remove the stone, if you would just meditate on this, you would behold the glory of God. Jesus told her, remove the stone. Martha, verse 39, says, Lord, by this time there will be a stench. He's been dead four days. Verse 40, Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? And they removed the stone. And the I Am, the Word, lifted up his eyes and raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but because of the people standing around, I said it so that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. What happened? Life entered back into that body. And that body walked out of the tomb. Would you be amazed if you saw that? You just did. Are you amazed? He is the I Am. He is the Word. He is the Creator. He is the Life. And if you look back in John chapter 1, not only is He the Life, He's the Light. It wasn't John who was the Light. He said He wasn't the Light. He's only the testifier of the Light. But the Lord Jesus Christ, the Word is Light. It is flesh. And you remember that Jesus later on in this book He would tell them, I am the light of the world. Did he not say that? The amazing thing is he says that, if you look at the chronology of it, he says that early in the morning as the sun, the physical sun is coming up over the horizon and he declares them, I am the light of this world. People who believe in him do not dwell in darkness but have the light of life inside of them. We have a whole chapter in this book, John chapter 9, of the light giving sight to a blind man. Do you see how John is developing this? Why is John doing this? Because this is necessary for you to know so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of the living God. Folks, how many gospel presentations start out that way with the Trinity? Do we have to understand something about the triunity of God? We do. We have to believe that God has sent His Son. His Son is deity. The fullness of the Godhead dwells in Him bodily. And that this Christ, the Son of God, is the eternal Son who took on human flesh. And He has a name, and that name is Jesus the Nazarene. This is critical. He is that Christ. He is the light of men. He is the Lord. He is the Anani. 
And in John chapter 1 and verse 36, we have two disciples who had heard him speak. And in verse 35, John is standing there with those two disciples and he sees Jesus walking. And he looks at Jesus and says, Behold the Lamb of God. He's looking at a human being and declaring, this is the one. And John understood that he is that son. If you look back up a couple of verses, in verse 32, John testified upon Jesus' baptism that he saw the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven, and he remained upon him. But I didn't recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, He upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. And John testifies, verse 34, I myself have seen and I have testified, this Jesus is the Son of God. Do you see that? This is absolutely critical that you and I hold to this. And folks, it took a while, not for the early church to believe that he was the Son of God, but it took a while for the early church to develop a proper understanding of the person of the Son of God. And as I mentioned, in 451, the church essentially says, among other things, that the Son, that Christ Jesus is truly God, truly man, He is of one essence with the Father in His deity, and He is one essence with man in His humanity, except for one aspect. What aspect? No sin. Christ Jesus is the eternal Son. He is the eternal Word in human flesh. Folks, this is absolutely astonishing. And it would take the faith of God for you to believe this. You agree with that? Faith comes by and hearing by the is going to take God's own faith, a supernatural faith for you to believe this. Now that brings us to this. In the book of John, we don't know his name yet. All we know is that in the beginning was this, the Word. And that Word was with God. So it is distinct, right? And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Who's the He in verse 2? It is the Word that was in the beginning with God. But folks, that Word, who is deity, is Creator. Verse 3, read it slowly and let it sink in. All things came into being through Him, the Word. All things came into being through the Word. And apart from the Word, nothing came into being that has come into what? Being. Everybody see that? Folks, you you don't want to read into everything else that we already know. You've got to follow John's thought. This eternal, distinctive person. How do I know the word is person? Verse 2. He. Everybody see that? He. 
It didn't say it. He was in the beginning with God. This eternal, distinctive person who is God, the Word, created how many things? All things. The folks, the word all things here does not refer to the mere totality of things. It's not saying, well, like the totality of everything came into being through the word. But the Greek term has within it the nuance of every individual thing separately. So when you look at molecules, how did that happen? Through the Word. When you look at atoms, how did those things come into pass? Through the Word. Each individual part, everything that has been individually created, whatever that individual thing is, people, germs, bacteria, Dirt. Every individual thing has been brought to pass by the Word. And folks, we made mention of this before, but when in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 3, when it says, God said, that implies both the presence and the activity of the eternal Word. Every created thing, as one commentator wrote, passed through the intelligence and will of the Son of God. Everything. No exceptions. Regardless of what fallen mankind conjectures and comes up with. That word has created how many things? All things came into existence, came into being through Him. No exceptions to that. Did Christ bring to pass all of the material creation? Both visible and invisible. Answer? Yes. But folks, there's something here that is also implied. And it is this. That He not only created the original creation, all things coming into being through Him, but all things being created through Him includes the new creation. Right? All things. In other words, folks, if we're going to sit back and kind of think about this for a little while, the reason why you and I are a believer, why we are a Christian today, why we are the new creation in Christ Jesus, it has all come to pass through Him. Through the Word. Everything. Our faith, our belief, our love, everything that comprises what being a believer is has all come to pass through the Word, the living Word, through the written Word to us. And folks, if the Word is Christ, do you believe that? Then that means that Christ Himself is uncreated. If the Word is and was, then that Word is and was must be uncreated. It must be eternal. Because if everything created came into being through Him, 
That would exclude him, would it not? He must be uncreated, eternal, deity. Everything that has come to pass, everything that has been caused to be, everything that is progressing, everything that is developing, it is all through the eternal Word. All things were created by Him. And apart from the Word, apart from the Word, nothing has come into being. Do you hear that? Folks, you've heard me say this before. I will say it again. Everything, everything that God has ever done or ever will do will always come through the Word. You believe that? And folks, that means that if a person's going to be born again, how's it going to happen? Through the Word. If a person's going to grow in grace, how's it going to happen? Through the Word. If a person's going to be changed from glory to glory, how's it going to happen? Through the Word. If you want revival, how's it going to happen? Through the Word. Folks, we act like that revival won't come unless we're praying. Praying is great if you're praying that the Word would be effective, living, growing, in people's lives. Years ago, I was involved in, I don't know, a group, I guess, that was very much interested in <clears throat> revival. And I'm still greatly burdened for that. Probably not in the same way you may be burdened for it, but burdened for it. And I remember telling someone who were reading all these books declaring, now how they knew this, I don't know, that the reason why a certain revival happened is because somebody in the back hills of whatever got down and prayed for it. How do they know this? And I just turned and I said to this person, until our pulpits get back to preaching exactly what the text is saying in the power of God no revival will ever happen. When this Word becomes alive and inflamed through living men, like John the Baptist, everything that God has ever done or ever will do is through the Word. Everything. Everything that you desire to come into existence. It could be health. It could be prosperity. It could be anything. It's coming through the Word. He is the one mediator between God and man. And folks, not only did that beloved Son, the Word, create all things, He also created what we know of as the church. Now I want you to turn to the book of Colossians where we were in our scripture reading. And you will see these two creations. In verse 15 of Colossians 1, <clears throat> in reference to his beloved son. Now when you let me just go back and read this where Paul's praying, verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. 
For He rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His, what? Beloved Son. And folks, when you read Beloved Son, you ought to be thinking baptism and God the Father's confession. This is my beloved who? In whom I am well pleased. Paul used that phrase on purpose. This beloved Son, verse 14, is the one in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This beloved Son, verse 15, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him, that is the beloved Son, all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities, all things have been created through the beloved Son and for the beloved Son, because the beloved Son is before all things, and in the beloved Son all things are held together. Everybody see that? Folks, anything that has come into existence is through Him. Our nation exists. Why? Because of Him. Our form of government. Russia exists because of Him. Their form of government. It's not a condoning of how they exercise their sinfulness in that form of government. All things that have come into existence is through Him. He is the image of the invisible God. Do you want to see God today? Open your Bible and behold the Son of God. You will see God. No man can see God at any time. But the Son of God has made the invisible God manifested to us. He is the only begotten of God. John 1 will go on and say. Do you want to hear God? Open your Bible and you will hear Him speak. Isn't that a gift? You and I if, we, if Christ had not come, if the Word had not been made flesh, we would have been left to our own imaginations about what that old, all that Old Testament was and is. But now we see Jesus. The invisible God made visible in the Son of God. He's the firstborn of all creation. The word firstborn here doesn't refer to Him being created. It actually is a phrase that is used in reference to kings to denote a sense of rank or sovereignty. He is the sovereign one over all His creation. He created it, whether they're in heaven or on earth, whether you can see it or whether it's invisible, including thrones and governments and dominions and rulers and authorities. Everything has been created by Him, through Him, and for Him. And He is before all things. And it's by Him that everything is held together. He is the God particle that is holding it all together. It is amazing. And young people, you have authorities over your life, don't you? The beloved Son gave you your parents. The beloved Son has given a pastor and pastors. He's the one by whom and for whom everything what? Everything exists. And folks, because of that, every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father.
<clears throat> Christ is the sphere within which the work of creation took place. Nothing came into being apart from that work in Him. He's the goal of creation. It was all created not for you. For who? For Him. How does that make you feel? Makes me feel excited. Everything in life is not about you. He's the goal of all things that are created. He's the reason for why things are created, whether you see it or not. And folks, if He was not holding it all together, it would not be. The eternal Word. But folks, He wasn't through creating. When this creation fell through Adam, that fall by Adam necessitated a new creation. Not a remodeling of the old. A new creation. A new creative act of God. And so the beloved Son, (coughs) look at Colossians 1 verse 18. He is also head of the body, the who? The church. He is also head of the body, the church, (coughs) and He is the beginning, the firstborn, that reference to His supremacy, the firstborn from the dead, so that He Himself will come to have first place in how many things? In everything. And folks, just like Adam was first created, not Eve, why was Adam first created? So that He would have supremacy. Christ is the first of this creation. Why? So that He will have what? He will have supremacy. His beloved Son who created all things also created the church of which the Son is the head and believers are His body. That is amazing. He's the author of this. He's the founder of it. He is the firstborn. He is the supreme one from the dead. How in the world could you say that He's the supreme one among the dead? I mean, other people have died and been raised back to life. What about Lazarus? Right? But He is the first of the resurrection to be resurrected with a glorified body. He's the second Adam. This new creation. And folks, all these things were done in this manner by God so that in all things, whether it's in creation or whether it's the new creation, Jesus Christ would have first place in everything. No exceptions. There's nothing outside His realm whether it be us or government or whether it be our needs or whether it be germs or bacteria. He's Lord over all that. He's Lord over every home whether He's acknowledged or not. There is no area of your life exempt from His supremacy. Music is not exempt. Reading material is not exempt. 
What you watch on television is not exempt. He's to be Lord, supreme in everything. You say, yes, but we don't see everything under His supremacy. Yes, but every knee will bow, including the original creation. And every tongue will confess that He is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Folks, there's coming a day when everybody will recognize He's the eternal Son. And the reason why lost people deny a Creator is because if there is a Creator, then you and I are accountable to Him. If there is no Creator, then my accountability can be to anything in anybody. Whether it be self, or a government, or a nation, or a fallen spirit, whatever. He is the Creator. Now folks, that takes us back to John chapter 1. And I want to exhort you that it it would do you good to really meditate that all things came into being through Him. And how that impacts your Bible reading. Your prayer life. Your walk with God. All things that come into being through the Word. And apart from the Word, nothing came into being that has come into being. Verse 4. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not comprehend or overpower it. What we know at this point is is that there is an eternal Word who is God. And that eternal Word was in the beginning with God. Everything came through His mediatorship. He's the channel and the cause. He is the end for which things exist and they are all for Him. But folks, in the Word was life. Everybody see that? In the Word is life. Now folks, the difference between a fallen human being reading their Bible is that to them, there's no life in it. It's do's, don'ts, limitations, keeping me from doing what I want to do. But for a believer, this is, remember John 6? This is my food and drink. It's amazing, isn't it? That when I pick up this word, something goes on in my soul. To varying measures, varying degrees, we ebb and flow in this life, don't we? But one day it won't be that ebbing. In the person of the Word was life. It's not, now please hear me, it's not a derived life like Adam. Adam, the first Adam, derived his life from God, didn't he? God formed Adam from the dust of the earth. He He still wasn't alive, right? He breathed into him. And he became a living soul. Folks, the first Adam derived his life from God. The second Adam is life. Or as 1 Corinthians 15 would say, the first Adam is a life receiver 
The second Adam is a life giver. You see the difference? This life is the Word. It is that life which was in the beginning. If the Word is life, is it? Yes. That it was in the beginning with God and the life was God, right? What kind of life are we talking about? I mean, Pastor, you said it wasn't a derived life. Yes. What kind of life is it? Eternal life. You ever read that in the book of John? Yes. This is what he's talking about. <clears throat> and folks, I made mention of this last week, but I want to remind you that in verse 1, the word was in the Greek is imperfect, meaning continually, always was. And those verb tenses exist all the way through verse 4. In other words, the Word is life always. This life is always the light of men. Everybody see that in verse 4. In Him was life. The life is the what? It's the light of men. So in the beginning was the Word, and the Word always is. It is constantly and continually life, having no origin. And it is this eternal life that is the light of men. Now why is that so critical? Because of what John says eternal life is. Folks, what is eternal life? We'll go to John 17 and look at verse 3. The Word is going to tell us what life is. Jesus declares that the Father, verse 2, has given Him authority over all flesh. And to all whom the Father has given Him, He may give them eternal what? Life. Life. Everybody see that? Verse 3. This is eternal life. You want to know what that is? Here it is. This is eternal life. That we, God's people, may what? Know you. Everybody see that? That we may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And he's going to go on in this prayer and say, the words that you have given to me, I have given to them. Folks, it is the knowledge, it is the living knowledge of God that is eternal life. I didn't say the knowledge of God. I said the living knowledge of God is eternal life. Folks, does it make sense why Paul says, I count everything but dung for the excellency of the knowledge of the Son of God? What he's doing is he's understanding that he is to lay hold onto that life, that eternal life. And that eternal life is light. And that eternal life is the Word by which all things have been created. And that Word living in a human vessel 
is the new creation of God. It is the life of God dwelling in the soul of man. The life of God. The light of God. Folks, doesn't it make more sense, Paul prayed, that their eyes of their understanding being enlightened. These aren't separate things. They're one. In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning, Creator. In the beginning, eternal life. In the beginning, light. And folks, there's no greater thing than for you and I to possess that eternal life. Because it is the aim of which all things have been created for us to know Him in that living knowledge and relationship. Didn't I say all things are through Him? Didn't I say that all things were for Him? Isn't He the goal and the aim of everything? Remember the mystery in Ephesians 1? The summing up of all things in Him? And folks, this is why, if you turn to John chapter 6, this is why our Lord talked about Himself being the bread of life. And He he makes this amazing statement. You and I, you and I would have been repulsed if we had heard if we had heard him say this. <clears throat> Verse fifty-four. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. Would that repulse you? That is repulsive. Cannibalism. The Eucharist, where Roman Catholic theology says that that bread and that wine actually become the blood and body of Christ and they drink and eat that so-called literal body and blood when they partake of that. That is grotesque. But unless you eat His flesh and drink His blood, you have no what? You have no eternal life. And folks, many of them, when they heard that, went away. But Jesus explained to him, to the disciples, what he meant by this. Verse 63. Folks, can flesh and blood give life? If I eat flesh and blood, can that give me life? The answer to that is no. He's using it as an analogy. What gives life? Verse 63. It is the Spirit who gives what? Now listen to what he says. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits how much? Nothing. Even if you ate his flesh and blood, even if Roman Catholicism was true, and it's not, it profits how much? Zero. Then what are you talking about, Lord? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words... Everybody see that? The words that I have spoken to you are and life. Folks, do we not understand in all the great zeal of many professing believers to experience the Holy Spirit? To try to make Him more mystical than what the Bible makes Him to be. The words that I speak to you are what? 
and life. Do you hear that? There's no separation between the third member of the Godhead and the living Word and the written Word. The living Word is speaking to them, isn't He? And He's saying to them, everything I say is God-breathed. Why? He's God. And those words are life. It's not my literal flesh and blood that I'm talking about when I say, I am the bread of life. Folks, the bread of life is the Word that was in the beginning. And the living Word, speaking the written Word, that is spirit, and that is what? That is life. What is eternal life? To know God and His Son, Jesus Christ. How are you going to know Him? Through the written Word spoken by the living Word. This is what John is telling us. And next week, John's going to go on and talk about, he would word it this way, our hands, our hands, our hands handled the Word. (laughs) Do you see what they're believing? And folks, this is why John would say, that when the Word became flesh, verse 14, and dwelt among us, we saw His glory. What glory did they see? They saw the fullness of God in Him. They saw the Word in the beginning. They saw that everything came into being through Him. They saw that in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. They saw all that. Glory, glory to be able to see that and to believe that. And folks, many, many times I've taken comfort in this fallen world in John chapter 1 and verse 5. That the light, which is the life, which is Him, which is the Word, the light shines where? Folks, do you hear what it's saying? It's saying that at this present moment, light and darkness coexist. We live in a world of darkness. What do I mean by that? No knowledge of God. But the light shines in the darkness. And folks, you know this. Darkness can never extinguish it. Never. And when you see the waves of ignorance and the wave of insanities and the way of evil overflowing our world, you need to remember that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the light of And He can never, ever be extinguished. But I'll tell you what can be extinguished. Darkness. How do you extinguish darkness? Light. And folks, you know in the new heaven and new earth, is there darkness? There is no night there. (laughs) Why? Because the Lamb is the light of it. No more darkness, no more apostasy, no more insanities, no more foolishnesses, no more deception, no more lies. 
there's a world that is only true reality. Eternal life. Now folks, that's the life that you and I have to have. This is why John says later on in John 1 that people who believe in His name, verse 13, are born. Everybody see that word born. Folks, when you say born, you think creation, don't you? All things came into being through Him. They are born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of who? But God. Who is this God? The Word. And He took on human flesh. This is what we're celebrating. The glory and the majesty of this. The greatest miracle of all is not your being healed from cancer. You would probably tell everybody far and wide if that happened. The greatest miracle of all is that the invisible God took on human flesh in the womb of a virgin and was born into this world. That's the greatest miracle and the one that we don't want to tell people about. Christ, Lord of all. Let's pray.